is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. I, of course, am your fourth choice host, Nick, uh, alongside Jesse and Abdullah, back with the uh, with the original crew for the first time in a few weeks uh, due to vacations. But we are here to talk about Chelsea women versus. Uh, Aston Villa and and just the absolute madness that was this match. Uh, first, we'll be talking about Sam Kerr absolutely balling out and grabbing the the late winner. Uh, topic two, we're going to be talking about back to the back three and the tactical uh, nuances of that. And then topic three is just an examination of uh, some missed chances and and what Chelsea needs to do to kind of get back on uh, normal track there, but. Look, uh, these these reviews are nothing without a three-word match review. And, of course, uh, Jesse, we we have one that has been sent in uh, right to you, right to the heart of the, the podcast here. Can you maybe uh, share which one that is? Yeah, um, it, it wasn't one that came, like, prompted from us, but it just felt, like, so perfect. I'm, I'm including it. So, sorry, history underscore beckons if you didn't want to be part of the three-word match review, but you shouldn't <laughs> tweet such funny shit to me, uh, because otherwise that's the risk. I'm afraid I'm going to drop you right in. Um, so, yeah, Heart Attack FC, uh, prompted by uh, watching the end of the, the men's game as well. I think God. every Chelsea fan today <laughs> has been through the absolute... <laughs> it's just uh, absolute nonsense is what happened today but uh heart attack fc well played jesse back to you what is your three word match review sam motherfucking car that's it that's <laughs> my, all that needs to be said mic drop we could go home <laughs> we could that could be the podcast we did it that could be the podcast we did it Oh man, it's it's hard to argue with astute analysis like that. Um, <laughs> Our job here is let's done. Let's go, Abdullah. Our, what about yours? <laughs> I mean, keeping it late. I mean, these this the whole club as a whole just today has just been keeping it late. Um, at one point, you know, it's like, are they going to score? But Sam Kerr just came up and delivered, keeping it late. Yeah, I'm I'm staying in that theme as well with at the death. I mean, it is. You just watch the last 10 minutes of, of that match and you're just like, come on, come on, come on. You have this. So at the death, of course, Sam Kerr getting the job done late um, after maybe a couple of, uh, of earlier chances went begging. So, look, you guys know we're here to talk about Villa. It happened on Sunday, March 13th uh, at Kings Meadow in the WSL. Chelsea won Villa nil. Sam Kerr uh, in the 92nd minute with the with the late winner. Just absolute scenes that happened there. Jesse, you want to talk us through the lineup and then uh, the five changes that maybe switch it up? Yeah, so there's some interesting things going on with this lineup. So let, let's get into it. We've got Sakira Musevic in goal. Second consecutive start. Put an AKB on the bench. Something to huh. keep an eye on, I think. You know, I feel like AKB obviously didn't have a great Conti Cup final. Don't know whether there's a shift shift starting to take place. So yeah, maybe one to watch out for for Blues fans. Um, and then we had a back three of Millie Bright, Anik Naon, and Jess Carter. Again, a bit of an interesting configuration. Jess Carter is the as the left side centre back here, and Naon is the deepest one. Uh, Neve Charles at right wing back, and John Anson at left wing back. Uh, and then we had Jisoo Yeon and Drew Spence starting in the middle together on a front three of Guru, Beth England, and Sam Kerr. Now at half time, 
Um, Sophie Ingle came on for, for Drew Spence, which uh, I've got to say, I actually like didn't think made much difference. Um, but Emma clearly wasn't feeling it. Uh, and then we got Jesse Fleming and Aaron Cuthbert both coming back from, from their absentees. Uh, they came on for... Jesse came on for Beth and, and went into the front three. And, and Aaron came on for G. And then... A little bit further on, as we're really playing every card because we had a very thin <laughs> bench. Uh, Lauren James came on for Guru Ryson. You know you're desperate for a goal if you're uh, not for Guru Ryson, sorry, for Neve Charles. You know you're desperate for a yeah. goal if you're putting Lauren James on at right wing back, uh, which is what we did. And then uh, the time killing sub, we saw Alsu Abdelina come on right at the end just to waste a bit of time. So three unused subs, AKB, and then uh, two, two of our academy players, Amy Claypole and, and Emma Thompson. All right, Abdullah, we, we got to get into the stats here because I think this will tell part of the story and then we'll get into maybe the rest of it uh, from like an eye test perspective. Yeah, man. I mean, like it's 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 quite staggering. I mean, Chelsea had 22 shots compared to Villa seven with eight on target versus Villa's one. So, I mean, just off the bat, you can tell the, 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 the domination that the team had for over, you know, over the course of 1995 minutes. Um, 58% possession versus 42, which is, you know, which is expected. 509 passes versus 379. Um, 75% pass accuracy, maybe not as high as, you, as you'd like to think. Maybe that was to do with the, the flurry at the end of trying to get shots away and trying to get a goal. Um, nine fouls to Villa, zero. Uh, one yellow card, no red cards, three offsides each, and six corners versus three. And kind of most surprising, maybe not, is 2.28. Uh, Chelsea's XG was 2.28 versus Villa's 0.32. So, I mean, while they did have 22 shots, they did have a very, very high expected goals uh, metric. So, yeah, Chelsea were creating chances, just couldn't finish them, which is, I think, a theme that we'll get onto later. And, Jesse, if you want to bring in your stat of the week... Yeah, so it's it's about it's about the number one. It's about Sam Kerr. Uh, she is the only player in the WSL to currently be averaging a goal in uh, under ninety minutes played. So she's currently averaging one every eighty four minutes in the WSL this season, and no one else comes close to scoring with the the frequency she does. WSL goat confirmed. Yep, I think she she leapfrogs um, uh, Mitama this week, right? With her goal. I love that you forgot her name. That's such a, Sorry. a flex. <laughs> Sorry. My, my so, head's not in the game so right irrelevant. now. She's so irrelevant. She's so irrelevant. Damn it. There we go again. All right. Well, look, we're going to break everything down uh, from this match coming right after the ad break. Thanks to these sponsors for supporting the show. And we'll be right back. Okay, guys, you know the drill at this point. We're here every week covering this team. And there are a couple midweek matches coming up that uh, we might do a little bonus pod on uh so get back into the feed uh every time you see the chelsea women are on uh please rate and review on apple Podcasts and spotify uh if you're able to do that that really helps us out and get seen by more people and then of course we have a burgeoning community on patreon and, and perhaps jesse's going to be doing some special content for our patreon page so ooh. if you want ooh, more <laughs> more content uh jesse's going to be there um doing some excellent writing so that's all uh, to come. Of course, we got to stop or start the conversation, I should say, with Sam Kerr. This is an absolutely unbelievable moment. I think, you know, we're going to look back on this after the week that Chelsea have had. Uh, actually, the three weeks that Chelsea have had. Be honest about that. It's, it's a pressure mounting situation here, uh, Jesse. 
And we're going to look at this goal by Sam Kerr, the other goal today by Kai Havertz, and think about the character that this team displayed in the face of, I can't imagine more adverse circumstances than what we're facing right now um, from a sporting perspective. So uh, I will allow you the floor, Jesse, to take this one away. Yeah, I think, you know, as as you say, Nick, both teams have obviously really gone through the, the ringer with this week. You know, I think we've all felt it as fans. And to be honest, like compared to what it must be to, to work for the club in, in whatever capacity, whether, you know, you're a player or you're working in merch, whatever that looks like, it's it's going to have been 100 times more intense. Um, And I think, you know, the way both teams have come out, they've been kind of... <laughs> Quick turnarounds on on their two matches this week. Obviously, both teams played on on Thursday as well um, to come out and and grind through something tough to to get these wins uh, to keep going to the end. I think that's what you know. I thought was so amazing about Sam's goal, and then and then obviously Kai kind of following it up about an hour later uh, at the same time. But to 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 keep on believing and and not kind of. I think it would have been easy for, for the team to kind of capitulate in the face of like, look, we've had a really tough week and, and it wasn't. It was like, you know, we're here to do a job and that job is to win football matches and, and we're going to go until there is until the final whistle goes. And, you know, you could see how much it meant to Sam. <laughs> She's that she wits her shirt off straight away. Um, great tweet from Liz Ward uh, saying, Sam Kerr taking her top off and swinging it around after scoring the match winner is the representation that I didn't know I needed. <laughs> and it's so true because, you know... Um, when I grew up, like I used to see the boys like taking their shirts off and swinging it around. And there was always the feeling that like you couldn't do that in the same way. So I just love to see her like, you know, her, her passion on the pitch is is just absolutely unmatched. And it was a great goal and she took it really well, um, eerily similar to Kai's. Um, but yeah, just a, a fantastic moment. Abdullah, I mean, this is a... Again, a character-defining type of, of goal. I think it's a pressure release for the entire team that had been, I think, understandably uh, fatigued and you know mentally, emotionally, physically, all of these things. And to see, you know, at the death, really at the death, in uh, just one moment of class, that's all that was needed to take all three points today, keep the WSL title race on. I mean, what, what were your thoughts about this? I mean, a hundred percent. Like, like you said. I mean, they just, they just. The team's been through a lot. I mean, the club as a whole has been through a lot in the last few weeks. And I think, I think we can even stretch this back to kind of over the season. I mean, Chelsea women in particular have had a raft of injury issues. You've had like, you know, Loipel's out for a good portion of time. Other players have been injured at, at wrong times. And you know, it's, it's, it's. While the squad is big, it's also quite thin at the same time. So it's like the same players are being used. They're being mentally fatigued. And I think, you know, Emma brought this up, you know, during the end of the Champions League that, you know, players are tired. Players, you know, they 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 need a rest. And, and I think the fact that the team is constantly producing last-minute goals like this and, and just needing that one moment of class, I think, has just been kind of the hallmark and kind of the... Uh, kind of just the way the club has been kind of the entire season. I mean, it's just always been that one moment of class, that one moment to kind of seal the deal when it's been really, really tough. You know, you look at games against like Juventus, you look at games, you know, where where where, where the team has needed just a goal. And like, I think this, this game has kind of epitomized what the club is about, both in terms of what's been happening off, you know, off the pitch and kind of on the pitch and through the season and kind of, 
taking all the adversity and just focusing on the game and and just going out there and producing a performance, even if it's not great, but just making sure they get that one chance and just, you know, putting it away. Yeah, I mean, Jesse, the, you you, you kind of made mention of this in your side of the week, but talk about Sam Kerr's overall production since she came to Chelsea. Oh, it's just totally unbelievable. So this was her 50th goal for the club in, in 69 appearances, which, you know, I, I, is obviously a ridiculous um, goal-scoring figure. But I think, you know, obviously with, with Miedemar, we've kind of seen very similar figures in the past. But um, when you add her assists in, she's got 21 assists. So she's had 71 goal contributions in, in 69 appearances, which is, you know, I mean, it's literally over every single game. Like, she she pops up with something. And I think it just feels like and and I mentioned this on the on the sneaky Patreon content as well, but just feels like ever since she signed that new deal, like she's just kind of gone to an extra level in terms of how important she is to the club and and kind of like vice versa, you know, how important the club is to her. And I think again, when we've had like a tough season to still see her like coming up with the goods is just amazing and i love her like i literally am just in love with her i mean she she has the personality i think to both be serious in serious moments which is what today was and then also a sense of humor and levity to maybe help the team not be tight you know and i, I think when when this chelsea team plays loose abdullah uh, some really fun stuff happens uh for the most part and, and not only with her combinations with Frank Kirby or or Harder or whoever, but I think they just don't look as rigid passing the ball even. You know, so I I just think a huge amount of credit goes down to her today. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. I mean, she seems like to be the the um, kind of the, the jokester of the squad at the front three. She just you know she just kind of breaks the ice for everybody. Everyone's intention. She she she'll just pop up with a random joke or you know she just seems that kind of player in person. Um, but yeah, no, even on the pitch, you just you just see the way you don't often see Sam Kerr super frustrated and showing a tantrum on the pitch, right? It's it's yes, there is a little bit every now and then, but it's not to that level and degree. And I think whenever she's running around and putting in an effort, I think everybody else is is kind of sees that and, and plays off that vibe. I mean, you we've seen it with the front three that we've you know, the combinations that we've seen is is it's just you know, unbelievable sometimes. And even though they weren't there and it was Sam Kerr leading the line with, with Bethany England, um, you could just tell, I mean, I think in that last 10, 15 minutes and, and we'll get into it, but there were just so many runs into the box, so many small movements that she was trying to make. And I think, I think that on its own was kind of, and she was finding the space. There were a couple of chances. So I think that on its own just really helps break um, kind of shows the rest of the players and the rest of the team that you know what there is at least our strikers trying let's try and get her into those positions let's try and get more chances in and ended up being our goalkeeper who ends up being you know what screw it I'm going to take it my own hands and I'm, I'm going to provide the assist <laughs> oh I mean let's talk about that Abdul I'm coming right back to you I mean yeah. it, it's not often you get a goalkeeper to striker uh, assist to goal uh, ratio here I mean this is not only an impressive long ball from kind of, you know, halfway up our, our pitch, but it's the patience that Sam showed to execute it finally after so many chances went begging today. I have eight shots on target. Of course, we'll, we'll get into uh, maybe some of the reasons why here in a second, but it's it's as uh, direct as, as football gets. 
hundred percent. It's it's taking a play out of Burnley's uh, playbook here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I I think it was amazing. I mean, just Musevich is 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 just taking it up, and you know, it almost looked like she didn't just punt it into the final third. I almost felt like she was putting it into that into that area, and guess it was a little bit of luck of of I think I don't remember which Villa player it was, but they missed it, and then it went straight to the Sam Kerr. But I feel like. You hit the nail on the head where Sam Kerr was so patient for the ball to come to her into that space and she didn't like snatch at it. She waited, 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 took the touch and and, and scored. And I think that in itself, I think just shows the the mental composure that Sam had throughout the game. It's like we're in the 92nd minute here. We drop points. It's back in Arsenal's favor. And to be able to hold nerve and be like, all right, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait and I'm going to take the gamble. I think was just, I think that moment on its own deserves her man of the match performance because... It's just, just just to be able to in that mess of players, it's just to be able to show that composure was was fantastic. And you know what? Jesse, to your point about Musovic maybe being the number one, maybe this justifies the selection in the next game. She gets an assist, you know what? You you get to play the next game. Jesse, thoughts on uh goalkeeper assists in general. Thoughts. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that I will say it disappointed me is that really I actually thought Musevic was going to score the winner when she went up for that corner in the 90th minute. So that will be my only criticism. But, you know, I love that she wants to get that involved because I there is nothing I enjoy more than a goalkeeper going up at the end of the game. And given there were six minutes of added time, I was like, wow, like you've gone quite early yeah. on the on this part. <laughs> that, <laughs> play. That's what I thought too. It was like the 90th, 90th minute and 30 seconds. I was like, where? But it was the just... way she just went and stood on Hannah Hampton as well. She, yeah. she was like, I know exactly what is yeah. going to annoy you and I'm just going to do it immediately. Top, top shit housing. Uh, a day where we needed on, on uh, from both teams. This was uh, one of those one of those crucial moments. I I think just my last point on the on the goal, and then we can kind of move on to other topics here. Look, we, we've seen with a lot of uh, Chelsea performances, men, women, youth teams this year, that sometimes our more technical passing game just doesn't lead to the types of results that we want, right? And so there are times where I wish we would do kind of route one football a little bit more frequently just to just to switch it up just to give the defense something else to look at just to make them think a little bit more because there are times and we'll, we'll switch over to you know starting with the back four transitioning to a back three uh, in a second here but there's sometimes where our play is pretty predictable Abdullah and I you know again you look for these game-winning moments and it's obviously a moment of class but it's also a moment where you you know, I think Villa were getting comfortable defending where Chelsea uh, were, were moving around the pitch. And I don't know. I, to me, I think this is one of those things that if you're able to give them a different look, it can lead to something different. Yeah, I agree. I mean, when you're when you're playing a certain way for 70, 80 minutes, 85 minutes, eventually a team that's defending that the way Aston Villa were are going to get comfortable. I mean, when the play is happening in front of them, for them, it's very easy to sit back in two banks of four and be like, all right, you can play around us, you can play through us, but we're just going to be not an arrow, compact, and you can, you have to break us down in whatever moment of magic you want to produce. And if you suddenly, you know, on a moment's notice, change it to, to like what Musevich did, just throwing a long ball up, suddenly they have to readjust. And then, you know, there could be something where, oh, you know, I wasn't expecting this, applies out of position slightly. Um, suddenly, you know, a player has to move out of position to go and get that. You create space. So I think the surprise element is definitely something there. I just, I think, I think 
I don't know if Chelsea should be able to do this maybe that early on, maybe maybe not at 60, 70 minutes. I think you can still try and and, and do this. But I think this season especially, and, and we go back to kind of how they played throughout the season, I think there have been a lot of games like this where teams have been able to defend deep against Chelsea and they've been successful at doing it. So I think maybe doing this more often is probably going to have to start becoming a thing for the rest of the season just because if Villa has done it because they've seen other teams doing it, they themselves kind of did it at some point as well uh, earlier in the season. I mean, so being able to... And, and I think it also helped the fact that England, Bethany England, you know, earlier on was there. Sam Kerr, were they playing with almost like a two up front? So you could have even done it a little bit earlier if, if you know, maybe at like before Bethany England was, you know... Uh, I don't remember. Was she subbed? I don't Was she subbed off? I'm trying to remember. Or was she? Would she? Yeah. She so, I mean, was maybe, yeah. So maybe at the time that she was on, you know, within that 70, 80 minutes, you could try it with two strikers up front, seeing she's so good in the air. But you know, it's fine. But I think, yeah, doing it more often might become a key. Maybe not too much because it becomes predictable. That in itself becomes predictable. Mm-hmm. But sure. I think yeah. finding that alternate alternate um, uh, method of play. I think there was a point where Millie Millie Bright was playing much further up the pitch yeah, for those last five she six used minutes. The Serena Vigman yeah. tactic. I find it really funny. Hayes obviously does the commentary in England for the England women's games on ITV, um, but. Since she's done it, so you know she's watching the game because you can literally hear her talking about it. But she's done the Millie Bright up front thing, which Serena Wiegmann obviously did in the Germany game and, and Bright scored. And she's done the Frank Kirby on corners thing, which she literally said she was like, I've never seen Frank Kirby take a corner before. Wiegmann's getting her to take corners. And then like the next week she was taking corners at Chelsea. I was like, wow, you're really, you know, like <laughs> making the most of this opportunity, like writing everything down. <laughs> That's yeah. All right, Jesse, let's... Talk about moving to the back three here. Um, you know, Emma's obviously played around with different formations this season. It seemed like we were more comfortable in a back four than obviously last weekend happens, and it's it's not as brilliant. And so we're moving back to the back three. Uh, overall thoughts on the performance and, and what needed to, to happen to kind of switch things up at the end? Yeah, I was quite surprised to kind of see us back in a a back three um it wasn't really what i expected uh particularly because you know we had very if we had like exactly the same uh like set of five players on the pitch that we did you know that that became the kind of that back five that we did in the conti cup um but i don't know i don't know whether hayes felt like she wanted more defensive structure or that because of the number of players available, it made more sense to to go in that direction. Um, but I definitely feel like we move the ball around a lot slower when we play with a back three. Um, I don't know whether that's just because like I've made it up in my head, but sometimes it just feels like because there are like whoever has the ball, there are like two players either side of them, basically for them to pass to. We get very like caught in these kind of horizontal passing movements and we don't always move the ball very quickly up the pitch. Um, There are things that I like about it. Like I think, I mean, I think Neve Charles has had an amazing couple of games, um, but I think she looks especially good in that wing back role. I think it allows her to show off like all the skills that she has. Whereas sometimes I think when she is played further forward up the pitch she gets a bit like caught in two minds about you know I think you saw this in the Conti Cup final against City where she was great you know supporting Jess Carter but also then at points it's like well you're kind of playing right wing and that's where Frank Kirby would normally play so you need to actually be making those runs forward and you need to kind of try and ignore sometimes what's going on behind you whereas I think when she's in a wing back role 
she it's easier for her to kind of do all the different things that she wants to do and help help the team out and you know I definitely feel like there's obviously this kind of group of younger players at the club at the moment when you look at Erin, Jesse and then Neve who who are a bit like do it all players um so I think that's why sometimes you know the, those wing back roles suit them and we've seen all of them kind of play in that position this season basically um but yeah I I just feel like occasionally the back three and I just think none of the relationships quite add up. Like I didn't think the front three of Guru, Beth and Sam really like had the kind of natural fluidity that maybe we'd see more if it was Penila and Fran playing there. Then at halftime, it felt like Emma switched it up a bit and put Beth and Sam up front together and put Guru in behind as a 10. I thought that was better, but then equally it felt like Guru didn't exactly know where she was supposed to be. So I don't know. I just didn't really understand, like, what the switch was for, basically. Like, because Villa aren't in a big attacking team, right? <laughs> Abdullah, thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that. And I think I think the problem is, comes back to the fact that um, it's, there's just, I, I just think someone like Bethany England just hasn't played much. So, you you know, you're playing her in a, in a I, th- I don't even think this this front three, if you can call it the front three, has been even trialed at all this season. I'm pretty sure this is the first time we're seeing Guru Wright and Bethany England and Sam Kerr playing together. So I think positionally knowing where each other is going to be, maybe on an individual level, they might just generally know, I, I know where you like to play. Obviously, they see each other in training. But the like what Jesse was saying, the chemistry between them just wasn't, it wasn't there. Um, Guru is much better as a wide player. She was played as almost a central midfielder attacking number eight last season, but then... You've just seen ever since she moved to left wing back and she's playing at left wing, she's just much more comfortable. Even when she was switched to a 10, she wasn't sure what to do in the middle, but then so she would drift out to wider areas, maybe in the half space and kind of cross from there. Um, And I think that in itself maybe caused a lot of confusion, caused a lot of like incoherent play. Um, They just weren't there. And I think next season, I think if there's, there's one thing I would like to see next season is maybe... Even if you have Kirby, Harder, and Kerr all available and fit, I think there needs to be a second and third front three combination or front two or whatever system that they're going to play. There needs to be a second secondary combination that you can go to and that'll still be as fluid as the first one. Because obviously the first choice is, you know, Kerr, Harder, and and, and Kirby. And then, you can, and then Guru coming in this season has kind of added to it and she's getting used to playing with the other three. But I think there needs to be like maybe an alternate front three that comes in that in case there are injuries and cups and whatever like we're seeing a lot this season that when Chelsea do play that you, let's let's say for a second you can play England um Wrighton and uh Lauren James right let's say that combination of three becomes your second choice once if the front three are out so then at least then if you even if you bring two of the three in there is not it's not going to be as familiarity yeah right? yeah there'll be more familiarity so I, I think that's one thing I would like to bring in um Kind of what Jesse was saying on Neve Charles. I think it's it's amazing to see Neve Charles come back. I felt really bad at the end of last season coming in, not really starting. You know, hasn't it didn't have really the confidence. But yeah, lately, you know, Neve Charles is is really doing really well in that role, and I think the confidence is back. It's also I think also helps that Erin Cuthbert has been moved into more of a central midfield role now, so she's got that position back for her. Um, but it's it's there. I think I think New Charles coming back at this time is a very very good sign and very good very good timing for Chelsea and and the fact that I think she'd be probably one of the fresher players having not played so much of the first half of the season. So that's going to be important in terms of the uh, rotation of, of the team. But um, yeah, I think I think honestly I think 
if she plays uh, more consistently again, gets another full season, maybe even half a season there consistently, I think she can really become a, a long-term option in that in that right wing-back area. Though my only concern is if they do go back to a back four, where do you then play Neve Charles? Do you play her in attack? Do you play her in uh, do you play her in midfield? Do you play her in defense? So it, it, realistically, it kind of becomes uh, it kind of becomes you know a question mark. But yeah, overall, I think it's um, yeah. This this is the real question, and I'll I'll throw it to both of you. I'll start with Jesse. Do do you prefer the back four in in some of the weird tactical nuances that exist uh, in that formation? Maybe not highlighting Gura Wrighton or Neve Charles uh, as much in, in that type of system, or would you prefer that we keep that width and have those two players kind of grow into the rest of the season, then be able to kind of switch up the the front three or front two, depending on how you want to structure the midfield. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with Jesse on that one. I think for me, I don't care about what formation is played per se, but I want to feel like regardless of what is played, those relationships between players are there. And sure. I think that's what's missing. And it feels like it's, say, down to a formation there are when we play four four two. There are other things, you know, like for example, when we play four four two with Fran, I'm like, I don't like particularly Fran on, on the right wing because I think it's easy for her to get bullied off the ball. I prefer her like in a front three. So, for whatever formation, I think you know there are problems. But I think I just feel like, and I think this has been a problem all year. And I actually think it's actually a problem with the midfield, not the defense. But that our build up play struggles specifically the most in a back three. So I would prefer a four, and I don't really like mind who plays in in it. But and I don't know whether it's because you know we've been missing Magda so much, and she's obviously been so important for us in our kind of ball progression. But I just feel like in the three we really struggle to move the ball quickly into dangerous areas, and that's why against teams that are willing to sit back, we don't move them around quick enough to create obvious openings. Abdullah. Yeah, I think for me it's 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 a game by game basis for me. I I don't mind kind of similarly. I don't mind which which formation becomes like the main one and that settles into you know being the main one. But I think it needs to go game by game. If you're playing against certain opposition that are better that you go better against in a back three, you go back three. If you're but if, if you're playing say for example like a Villa and kind of Jesse's point about moving the ball faster and having more midfielders to do that. Yeah, then you can play a back four. I think Chelsea need to be able to kind of just adapt their game based on the opposition because then it goes back to the whole familiarity and and people don't know what to expect game by game. But at the same time, I think at this point, the team have played enough to have a back three and enough of a back four to be able to simultaneously switch between them and not worry about, oh no, I don't know how to play in a back three and I'm going into a back four. I think now they can switch between the two, go game by game and still be able to do it. And in that way, you're kind of then being able to leverage the strengths of players who are on the bench in a back three and in a back four. So you can play Neve Charles Guru right and Neve Charles at right wing back in a back three, but then in a back four, you can bring in somebody else and then you can leverage I don't know, uh, another player for, or Bethany England in, in a front two, you know? So I think that for me would be the my preference for, for a way forward. Okay. Well, interesting. A couple of interesting takes there. Uh, I think the, the thing that we want to kind of begin to wrap with is just the overall uh, sense that we're not exactly taking our chances. And, you know, I think the 
the interesting part of all of our praise on Sam Kerr and all of her unbelievable stats since coming to Chelsea is there's a sense that she could and probably should have scored even more than what she scored at this point, uh, which is frightening to think about considering her return already. Uh, but this is kind of extended across the team now, too. I think there are just uh, chances that are going begging Jesse. So uh, maybe, you know, start this wherever you want. Maybe start it with, you know, the way that Villa defended or, or you know, the team not maybe taking the chances that they had. But something's a little off right now. Yeah, I... It's one that's been puzzling me. I think about it a lot <laughs> because the the received wisdom, right, is like with expected goals is, you know, generally you might sometimes overperform, you might sometimes underperform, but over time it will even out and you'll kind of get your just desserts. And that's what I've kind of been feeling like all season. I've been like, okay, right, like we're not always taking our chances. We're not always making the most of everything, but we're going to have an amazing finish to the season because we're owed from the XG gods. And now we're getting towards the end of the season and those gods aren't coming through. So, like, I was having a look. And so today this was the fifth time we'd underperformed our expected goals this season. And we did this actually eight times last season. So it's not something that's unusual necessarily. But on five of those eight games last season, we scored two or more goals whilst we were underperforming. So we were, like, winning games by comfortable margins. We were just creating even more opportunities. Whereas this season, all five times we've underperformed at XG, we're scoring either zero or one goal. So suddenly then the game's become in the balance, right? So last season we might have done it a lot, but it didn't matter because it was like we were winning 3-0 rather than 4-0. And now suddenly we're like scraping 1-0 wins. Um, in terms of the actual finishing, I don't get it really because we've got a load of great finishes on our team. Um, Sam's goal scoring form, especially, you know, as we've just talked about, is the best in the league. So I don't think you can really ask much more from her. Um, I thought it was frustrating today. Like Beth's header, for example, I was like, come on, that's like, that was, that was the one. That was yeah. the one for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Especially when, you know, um, and we know Beth's having like <laughs> her second hard season. It's tough for her out there. But you look at like how a player like Neve Charles has like taken like a quick run of games and, and looked immense. And my question mark over Beth is, okay, she might be a confidence player. Sometimes you need those those games in a row. But she did start against West Ham in the week. Like, I just want to see more when it's happened. Because, you know, we know she's an amazing player. But sometimes I feel like she's like a bit of an absence makes the heart go fonder player at Chelsea at the moment. Everyone goes, oh, Beth was amazing. Because she was amazing three seasons ago. And I'm like, but really, like, she's not that amazing <laughs> when I watch her play at the moment and and maybe that's because she's not getting the game time and that sucks but that's also kind of how football works unfortunately um so yeah i mean we are creating the chances they just don't seem to seem to go in and and i i still can't really put my finger on on why that is abdullah yeah i agree i mean it's it's a tough one how do you like you know, we, we, I think we've talked about this multiple times in different podcasts through the season. And every time we've had a thing saying, or maybe it's the midfield not creating, maybe it's something to do in the attack, or maybe it's something to do with defense. Like, at this point, I, I agree. It's like, you, you, what, I, you can't exactly know what it is anymore. Is, 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 is it a confidence thing? I don't think so. It's just one of those things where just just not able to score, you know? Um and I think a lot of people have a lot of theories on like, no, it should be this formation. It should be this set of players up front. It should be this playing here, she playing there, he playing there, whatever. Like, 
at the end of the day, I think it's just, you, you look today, I mean, Hannah Hampton with that triple save, I thought at that point, that's it. There's no way Chelsea are winning this yeah. game because she's, she's in a top game, right? But sometimes keepers will make those sort of saves. Sometimes it'll just go an inch wide and maybe it comes down to a little bit of luck, um, a little sure. bit of thing. But then Sam Kerr did it at the end of the 90th minute and produced that sort of goal. You know, the same thing like we said, we saw it with Kai Havertz. He should have scored earlier in the game, but then he scores that 90, 92nd minute goal. So, it just comes down to the small details, small inches. And I think, um, I don't think another attacker is going to solve this finishing problem. It's just the team just have to get in front of goal and just be as composed as they can and go from there. So there's nothing, I, I don't think I can put a finger on anything specific right now. Maybe as we go through the end of the season, we might pick up on something. But right now, I don't see anything. It is interesting because, uh, I mean, look, this team played some absolutely incredible attractive football last season, right? I mean, between Kirby and Kerr, dynamic partnership up top and a bunch of other players stepping up at different times, you had Chelsea scoring six, seven goals in matches and looking like they could have scored 12 or 13, you know, at times. It just hasn't necessarily come off that way this year. And and I, I think there, there's a thousand different things as to why we pointed to maybe the midfield, or maybe the defense, or maybe the service coming in or any of these different things. It just doesn't feels harder to score. And that's not a pun. Um, it's just a, it's a different kind of vibe. And uh, clearly Chelsea have not been healthy this season. Like that's been a huge part of this. We're missing Pernilla harder now again, uh, which is uh, difficult, but yeah, I don't know. It's hard to put your finger on it, but it, it's certainly not what we've uh, we began to expect last season, where it was like, how many goals is this team going to score? Not if they were going to score. And I think combine that, Jesse, with you know, I think a clearly improved WSL this season across the board. It's it's just you know that's that's the way these leagues go. If if the league gets better, it's going to be harder to score. Yeah, I do think that is it is an important factor and it isn't something that like we can just discount because, you know, we've seen throughout this season teams be really frustrated, and especially Villa, that like Carl Ward is an exceptional manager. Like we saw them really frustrate Arsenal for like 75 minutes this season. Um, you know, they did it to us already away as well. So I just think for me that like the one thing that I would like to see more of is more control from our midfield because I do think that whilst we will create chances in games we don't necessarily do them on a consistent enough basis to kind of force opposition teams to crack and I feel like if we were better at sustaining pressure by holding the ball onto the ball more um, by kind of pulling teams like out of formation more that then some of those chances become clearer cut. Because I think it's easy to like, you know, be like, wow, we got like 2.3 expected goals and we had eight shots on target. But when they're all just like a bit like random one-off moments, like, okay, yeah, that puts you under pressure to have to finish them because it's almost like you don't know when they're going to come. Like suddenly the ball might, you know, even with Kerr's goal, like she takes it really well, but it's basically because the Villa player makes a mistake we're not putting our attackers in positions where they get the time to like kind of set themselves and shoot, I feel. And and I think maybe that's where the problem, that's where like what the numbers alone won't really tell you. It will add up, but actually in terms of like really clear cut opportunities, there there aren't really that many there. 
yeah. One quick, ahead, one quick, Abdul. sorry, one quick counter question. Uh, one quick question for Jesse. Um, so do you think then? Do you think it's a matter of the fact that because we've tried every single combination of of double of the double pivot at the club, there's been Leupolds and 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 G and Ingle and and all these players have been trialed. You got Aaron Cuthbert now, who's obviously done well. Do you think it's maybe time that there's a reshuffle in midfield by buying somebody new that maybe it's a, a new personnel that we need? Or do you think there is a combination that's there right now that could probably solve this problem? Because to me, in some sense, it just feels like so many combinations have been tried. It works for a small amount of time. And then it goes back to the same old problem of control, progression and pace. Do you think that maybe now it's time for an injection of some new blood in there? Yeah, I think that's that definitely like might be the problem. But I think then again, you kind of come back to looking back to the defense because I think the problem that we have is we often feel like we can't play, say, our most creative midfield, which would maybe be someone like Leupoltz and G, obviously Leupoltz unavailable, or Jesse and G, um, because we need a Sophie Ingle, Aaron Cuthbert, Drew Spence to kind of protect the defense because we feel nervous about that. So I feel like if we were more... If maybe maybe the answer is we need an an elite defender and an elite midfielder to kind of come in because also I just don't think it helps that like you know G Sophie are both over thirty or like thirty plus Drew is twenty nine so these players like clearly I think Emma doesn't want to play them twice a week or week in week out as well so that then creates extra pressure like. Even though those players can still do a job, you're basically being for it. Whilst you maintain them as your first choice, you're being forced to rotate them, which then stops you from, you know, building up those patterns of play. Like I'd almost be more interested to see like Aaron and Jesse together, just on the basis that they could play like much more regularly because they're like 23 or whatever. The youth. Uh, speaking of one more young player. Uh, I would just want to give a special shout to Lauren James, who I think did a great job when she came in today. She has this like effortless uh, ball control thing that Reese has as well. And, and you just like <laughs> the, the little touch, the physical shoulder barge off the ball, just the control down the corner. Uh, you know, I, I watch stuff like that and it shows you that this is going to be a real player once she gets embedded you in can the already see that like other Oof. players don't even want to like try and go in like you could see that maz pacheco was just like i'm not even gonna bother like okay yeah. you just steam past <laughs> me like bye-bye like this isn't worth my time so and then that's where the whole thing about bringing something different in the, in the attack comes right she brings something totally different that the other front three four don't admit players that we don't have um so i'm excited for lauren jane next season because i think she could prove to be a huge difference maker from the start or off the bench um and it's good to get this betting in period and we've seen players when they bet in under emma hayes sooner or later they start exploding and we're going to see hopefully see a, a purple patch come from her sorry i saw one meme just now from a john muller piece on uh on the athletic on, on an old piece and it as a it's a it's a it's a map and it says job a win the ball stop goal girl this is a defensive third in the middle third it says ball magically moves to the other side of the pitch don't worry about it and the final third oh, is this is the united yeah, meme uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and then job uh, job b score goals get assist woohoo we, we win so it almost feels like that a little bit with chelsea's uh, midfield right now like it just magically gets to the final third and then we score goals poof we did it <laughs> um all right jesse let's talk about emma hayes who i think um rightfully celebrated with sam kerr um 
top off and all, and then uh, I think let <laughs> you just off. Done what, you just done what Flo Lloyd Hughes said she did on, on TalkSport and implied that Emma Hayes also took her top off. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I'm Sam Kerr did, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we, I want this the to mob. be the rumor that Emma Hayes also <laughs> took her shirt off. <laughs> just do, do the PD Pablo, I guess. But um, look, I, at full time, uh, huge roar. I think from the whole bench, but Emma leading the charge there, clearly an emotional, uh, emotional week for everybody. Can uh, you address her comments here? Because I think this is a great place to kind of end where this week was. Yeah, she said, you know, after the game, I felt a release in my own emotion. I nearly lifted Sam Kerr up. I'm human (laughs) and it's been hard. I don't know why there's a nearly there. I think she should have gone for it. I reckon she could pick Sam Kerr up. Uh, we need to lean on each other and we did uh, Chelsea have also posted a photo of them celebrating afterwards and put hang it in the Louvre and it is hilarious like please go and check it out Erin Cuthbert <laughs> is like holding Emma Hayes back because she's like celebrating so hard it's literally immense uh. um, but yeah and then you know going going on to say like I know our place in this club our importance um, I don't want anyone to be vilified at the end of the day this club is important to the community Hopefully we can get a sale and get things moving. I think just, you know, articulating what, what everyone kind of feels at the club. And look, it's been obviously a crazy tough time. There is honestly no one I would prefer to have leading the players through this than than Emma Hayes and Thomas Tuchel on the men's side as well. I think both of them, like, we are so blessed as a football club to have those two leaders um, for the players to kind of protect them, support them, uplift them. Um, and you could see how much it, it it's meant to her. It's obviously been like a really tricky time for Chelsea women as well, both this situation, but I think, you know, the Continental Cup final was was a real blow. Um, we hate losing to City at the best of times, but, you know, that really felt like, I think, a moment where it was like, okay, we're on an upward trajectory. So to then to turn around and, and come back and get wins against um, West Ham and Villa, who are two, you know, neither of those teams are pushovers at all. Um, I think you know it's it's amazing and and it's great to see. It feels like the the whole team have like really dug in this week, and you know we know how special their connection with the fans is anyway. Um, but I think you really saw that at, at Kings Meadow today. Uh, it was great to see so many people able to be there still. Um, I think two thousand five hundred was the attendance, um, which is awesome. And I know there's a, a real significant chunk of season ticket holders there, so. We know the atmosphere at Kings Meadow is going to continue being amazing as it always is to to the end of the season. And I think it's just really important to note that like the situation has evolved so rapidly at Chelsea, you know, over the last two weeks, right? I mean, you think about where it started two weeks ago and where it is now. It's it's just as fast as a thing of this magnitude can move, and for the players to go out there and show, I think, the immense character that they have uh, over, um, you know, what I I can only imagine is just the most difficult uh, period for them. And to to think about their own futures, how this is all going to shake out. Is a new ownership group going to support the women's team in the same way that, uh, that Roman has over the last 15, 20 years? I mean, that is a, it's a lot to think about. It's a lot to contemplate. And so, you know, I think we, we speak for, for all Chelsea women's fans, that whoever takes over the club, just continue to pour investment into this team, continue to allow them to be 
the the top team in England and certainly a challenge for the Champions League. I mean that that needs to be a you know one A remit of any new ownership group that comes in here is that they they take a hard look at Emma Hayes. They say, "Wow, you're one of the best managers in the world." Uh, here's a boatload of cash to go do whatever you need to do for next season. Let's really give the Champions League a run. So yeah, hundred percent. Bill, any any final thoughts there? No, no, man. I think I think you guys covered it pretty pretty well. I'm just you know I just I just hope that we get to the end of the season. Everything is solved in the next couple of weeks. We get some clarity. We get some consistency back and put everything behind us, and we can move forward as a club and 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 kind of you know plan positively for the summer and and then kind of go from there because that you know we you don't want to lose the momentum you almost it's like 20 years of work and in, in the women's case maybe 10 years of work and in the men's 20 years of work almost feels like it's becoming undone in a matter of weeks and you don't want that to happen so i think hopefully we can get some clarity soon and and, and move on from this absolutely um do we have an update on the brighton arsenal game yet do we know it doesn't going? kick off for uh, another hour or so oh all right well Damn you, daylight savings time again. Uh, well, look, as as uh, the table stands right now, uh, Arsenal have played one more match than, than Chelsea on 37 points. Uh, they will play two more matches by the time that you listen to this podcast, so we'll see what happens with their result. Uh, Chelsea have 15 matches played with 35 points, so they'll have two games in hand and, of course, can potentially vault above Arsenal with a, a one-point advantage, uh, much like we did a couple seasons ago. Uh, Man United uh, kind of comfortably sitting in third now. Uh, a little bit of a surprising resurgence there. 16 matches played on 31 points. Spurs on 16 matches played on 28 points. City creeping back up on 15 matches played, uh, like Chelsea, with uh, 26 points. So it, I, I guess, how are you feeling, uh, Abdullah, about that that race for the top three now to get into into Europe next year? It's uh it's tight because I mean United are only a few points behind Chelsea and 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 any and so it's not about the slip up of if Chelsea lose a draw drop points and then we can't catch Arsenal it's also you have to worry about United now and the way United have been playing yes they do have the odd result that they drop but they've been playing pretty well I think I think Mark Skinner's finally settled into the side and I'm a little bit worried about Man United and I've been really impressed with the way they've been playing and the way they've been set up so that's good I, I don't worry too much about Tottenham now I think we're going to start seeing them slowly break away and maybe drop and I think maybe City will come up into that fourth position but um, yeah I'm actually pretty worried about Man United in terms of them being able to catch us and, and, and if so Chelsea can't afford to drop any points both in terms of winning the WSL and keeping second place Jesse thoughts on the table yeah um I'm just happy that we're taking it one game at a time and we're winning. And I feel like that's all we can do whilst we're in this position. Um, I would really like us, though, to have wrapped it up almost in whatever direction before that United game. Because the United game is the last game of the season. And if United still have like third place in play, I feel like that game could get very stressful very quickly. Um, but yeah, I think all that we can do is there is there is no game that we've got left to play this season that we shouldn't be winning to be totally honest so i think we've just got to like carry on rolling on keep our heads down um in some ways i wonder if you know the distractions around the club also help like change where <laughs> the pressure is like i know it's crappy for the players but is almost like the focus isn't entirely on the pitch at the moment, so they can just kind of get their heads down and, and keep on going with it. And 
you know, who knows if like Brighton or Spurs or someone can do us a favor with Arsenal, then even better. Let's have a little bit of a dream exercise here. Uh, it's it's May 8th, you know. Uh, Chelsea uh, have finally secured a new ownership group and are, are playing uh, Man United in a meaningless game because they've already wrapped up the title. And the, the new ownership group looks down at that shiny trophy and goes, wow, I wonder if we can go get the one in Europe uh, next year. And then uh, cash flow uh, commences. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, not only to have a meaningless game against United at the end of the year, uh, because we've already wrapped it up, but to to show off uh, what this team is and what they're capable of and what they've done over a tremendously stressful season that they're still able to come out on top uh, in, in this kind of environment would be incredible. So just a little dream exercise, not a big deal. Don't worry and about it. And then Penela Harder will once again dribble through the entirety of the Man United team to score the winner. <laughs> gone uh look before we get there though a few important matches coming up of course uh we play everton away on wednesday the 16th uh we are then home to uh birmingham city on sunday the 20th and that is the uh quarterfinal of the the fa cup then uh home to spurs on the 23rd of march i think being home for those couple of matches is going to be really nice for for the team it's gonna be great Away at Leicester City, uh, who are currently sitting 11th in the table. Uh, and then Reading uh, at home, which may be tough, maybe not. I don't, you know, who knows, depending on how they play that day. And then Spurs away. So I think those two Spurs matches, Abdullah, I'm looking at and I'm saying, Chelsea can kind of get through those and, and, of course, win everything else. Like it, it starts to look pretty promising for the rest of the year. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Considering uh, Spurs are currently in the in the top four, and so they are one of Chelsea's closer rivals. I think, yeah, if we can if we can beat Spurs in those two games, pretty much within exactly almost a month of each other, um, there's every chance that at that point Chelsea are comfortably in in first or second place, and and I think from there we don't have to worry about United too much. And who knows, maybe United drops some points in between and any even one, you know, two points drop from them is, is a huge favor for us and we can take them from there. So that's what I got. Um, look, this team, again, deserves all the credit in the world. Emma Hayes, of course, deserves all the credit in the world for navigating some rough seas uh, over the last handful of weeks that can't go unnoticed. Uh, but they're back uh, on Wednesday. They have a bunch of matches to, to play to make up uh, from previous cancellations. And so we got to get level on points or level on uh, on matches played with Arsenal and then beat them on points and wrap this baby up. So, look, uh, thanks for sticking with us uh, through a tumultuous period, guys. We're, we're doing the best that we can to cover all of the nuances around the new ownership situation. Uh, I think we've said this on previous shows that we're not going to be first. We're going to be right. And I think that still holds a lot of merit in this uh, society. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for any of that stuff. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.